Kuskis on to Hartley! Hearts take the lead! Jankowskis is going in on the goalkeeper. Bankowski wanted all day. Jankowskis wraps it up for Hearts! Hello and welcome to Shirts Around the Funnel, the little brother of the ever-popular Hearts podcast, Scarves Around the Funnel. This is the podcast about Hearts and football shirts together. Joining me, as always, is my co-host and author of 51 Shirts, the book that's just been released in the last month or so and had a great reception recently at Tynecastle Park, Grant Young. Grant, how are you? Hi, Paul. I am great. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for those kind words. Yeah, all good here. Thank you. My pleasure. It was a great night. We might touch on that just before at the very end of the podcast. ESPN and Connecticut's favourite Scotsman, if you don't count uh, Burley and Nicol. Mark Donalds is with us as well. Mark, how are you? Yeah, in the presence of greatness this evening, Paul, um, the, the top best-selling author um, has, has finally joined us. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this and uh, another special guest too, who I'm looking forward to speaking to. Indeed, a man who managed to make nearly 150 appearances for Hearts without actually pulling on a maroon jersey. Well, that's because he was the goalkeeper. Jamie McDonald joins us. Jamie, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm good, thank you. How's yourself? Uh, we're all good. Did, did you never fancy sticking on the maroon jersey and playing outfield, Jamie? Um, probably many a time, but in all honesty, I wasn't good enough. Um, <laughs> I was bad enough being a goalie, never mind trying to, try to play outfield. And saying that, maybe in, the, maybe in the early Romanov days, I maybe could have got a game outfield with the amount of numbers they had. <laughs> yeah, you, you must have gone through a number of teammates. And, you know, did your Lithuanian ever get any better? No, but I'm, I'm sure I learned how to swear. Was it Echnach to? Uh, I can't remember exactly what it means, but um, um, I'm sure that was a favourite word for a few of them. Um, but no, nah, I, I couldn't remember half of them if I tried. Well, if Mad Vlad's submarine ever gets Wi-Fi and he's able to get Podbean and download <laughs> a couple of podcasts, we might even get in touch and tell us a little bit about it. Grant, your, your book, 51 Shirts, and obviously the launch went very well at Tynecastle. There are a few goalkeeping shirts in there. There are indeed, and uh, Jamie's one of Jamie's shirts actually features in it, and it's, it's probably... I actually spoke to Jamie about this on the night a bit, and it's probably one of the the more famous moments. It's uh, it has grown in, in fame as the as the player that was involved with that shirt has grown in fame. Uh, one Harry Kane um, at uh, White Hart Lane, and uh, of course Jamie famously saved a penalty, and I think it was on Harry Kane's debut. Yeah, Jamie, I think it was. Yep, and I think. That, that, and that must have been a, a complete uh, a buzz for you, Jamie. And, and what a night that must have been, keeping a clean sheet at um, White Hart Lane. Oh, that, that was brilliant. Um, obviously, kind of even the build-up to the game, you know, I wasn't actually playing at that moment in time. Um, you know, Marion Kelly was still there at that point and, and performing really well. And Obviously, we'd been turned over on the first leg and and also during that period of time, you'd, there'd been a change of manager for, for Jim and Billy to... To Paolo and Sergio, and to be fair, to Paolo he, he, he kind of gave all the, I suppose, fringe players a, 
a chance that night to see see what he had. You know, it was an opportunity for him. We, we were not going to go through in the tie, and you know, it was it was fantastic. Just obviously getting the opportunity to play at White Hart Lane um, for starters, um, and obviously the night. And all I couldn't have been any better, barring obviously winning the game. But yeah, bringing a, a young Harry Kane down for the penalty, um, and then very fortunately saving it. And as you say, it's something as times went on, it's it's probably been one of the more famous things of um, that I've became famous for over time. And it's it's a no bad one having the CV. Absolutely, but, but you've got you've got a cracking penalty uh, saved record anyway, haven't you? And I, I think I actually mentioned that in the book, but but it's quite remarkable how many penalties you've actually saved. Uh, my my penalty record's not bad. Uh, I, I think my penalty record. Uh, I, I maybe said this to you on the night. I think my penalty record at Tynecastle actually better since <laughs> I've left Hearts um, than when I was actually there because I think I, I saved my first five penalties or something when I went back to Tynecastle <laughs> which is remarkable and you'd be lucky if I say five um, penalties at Tynecastle whilst I was at Hearts so it's just one of the one of the things that happens but yeah I, I went through a wee spell where you know we had penalty shouts and whatnot and, and had a decent enough record with penalties um, as, as Stevie Woods uh, Celtic goal coach always says he always says I'm the I'm the saver of, a, of the shit penalties <laughs> Which sure. is a, a backhanded compliment, believe it or not. <laughs> but he, he's right. Always give myself a chance by going the right a lot of time the right way. And if it's a poor penalty, then you know you've always got a chance. Grant, in terms of the iconic shirt, could you describe it for the benefit of our of our listeners? It was it's an umbro template. It's it's quite a classic um black and yellow, you know, black sleeves, yellow, yellow, sort of nice bright yellow template uh, kit in the body. Uh, I suppose uh, it's slightly spoiled by the blue Wongo, uh, Wongo Wonga <laughs> logo, um, but, but that's life. You know, a, a lot of people um, always sort of say, "Oh, I wish it didn't have the Wonga logo." But, you know, if, for instance, well, Jamie will know that in, in the cup final shirt, but it's part of your history, isn't it? Um, it's there, it was there. You move on, and you know, but it, it, it's it's a it's a great kit. It's a you know umbro. It, it, it's lovely, actually, and um, it obviously had the special sporting ID numbers. You know, rather than the, the SPFL numbers, it had the sporting ID European numbers, which always I think always looked pretty pretty classy as well. And you know, the McDonald across the back was in was in uh, small letters rather than caps. Yeah, so, case, yeah. yeah, always looks always looks nice, Jamie. Doesn't it? I always think it always gives it it's a lovely effect. A bit like the Scottish Cup final one, which is uh, yeah. I always think it looks really really nice. Just gives you that added sort of special. Uh, feeling about it, especially for those big occasions, Europe definitely. and obviously just, Scotch Cup finals as well. <laughs> yeah, as I say, definitely. I think the, the kind of lower, lowercase template and things with the numbers, it, it's a little bit different from what you're used to. Um, it was definitely nice. And, you know, it's a, it's a shirt as well that, obviously for the full season, it wasn't just that game for me. It was it was a, it's a shirt that's very fond of my memory. It wasn't the shirt we obviously wore in the Cup final. We wore the, the silver um, a wee goalie kit for, for obviously that game but you know it, it brings back memories not just that Tottenham game for me you know it was the, the semi-final against Celtic and things like that and you know it's a, mm-hmm. it's a shirt that I'll remember fondly and you know it was one I liked as well because I actually had a collar um, you know like a little fold over collar which is was quite unusual because usually you get yeah. either the v-neck or the round neck but I actually had the the fold over collar which I, which I quite quite liked myself 
Yeah. There's a there's a picture of Henry Smith in 85-86 wearing yeah. a jersey that's not too dissimilar. It had the padded kind of black shoulder with the black really thin pinstripe, but predominantly yellow and a little yeah. kind of black collar with the, the yellow trim as well. That's probably the closest that you're going to get between old and and new, don't you don't you think? I think you're, you're you're spot on, Mark. Yeah, I would agree with that. That that's a classic as well, isn't it? I mean, I I, I don't know what you guys are like, but but when I think about goalkeepers, I always think uh, you know predominantly yellow, where maybe black shorts. But but that's the way I think about it, and it's uh, you know I, I do like it when it goes back to that sort of traditional uh, you know mix of colours. I, I do like it, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Mark. Although Henry did wear, I, I think as well. Henry he did wear some uh, outlandish uh, shirts, didn't he? <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, I don't know, would you have liked to have got your hands on some of them and, and given them a shot when you were uh, between the sticks at Tynecastle? Would you have enjoyed that? Definitely. Uh, like Growing up, obviously, during that, especially maybe the, that early 90s period, you know, goalie shirts were as loud as you could probably get. Um, and that's what I grew up with. Uh, I remember being like eight, nine years old. And do you remember the goalkeeper, Georgie Campos? <laughs> yeah, absolutely I do, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I remember getting, he brought out a range of the Umbro kits as well, which were obviously absolutely, <laughs> like, like, really out there. They were, never mind some of the ones Henry had on these were. And I remember getting one um, for playing for my boys' club. And it was like, it was just multicolored thing with a big pink collar and absolute rascal of a kit. But yeah, you know, as I say, that, I grew up with that in the 90s. So, um, I'm quite gutted that they went a little bit more sensible as time went on. To be perfectly honest, yeah. Did, did the Giorgio Campos one? Did they have? Did the shorts match the shirt? I always, I'm, I'm trying to picture it did, with, with the shorts. Yes. The, this, yeah. So it was, was just, just full on, yeah, full on horror. Yes, definitely. Brilliant. Pink triangles and all sorts through it. It was, uh, it was loud, to say the least. <laughs> Mark, do you get the same feeling I get as a, as a commentator when I see goalkeepers coming out? If they come out in something that's loud, it's a bit like coloured boots when they started. I think they've got to be a pretty damn good goalkeeper because if not, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. I don't know. I don't know if you find that you know doing across you know Spanish football, Italian football, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and there's a wide range, but Grant can kind of help um, help the three of us out here as well for like the main manufacturers, whether it's Umbro or. Macron these days or or whoever, there seems to be a template um, as far as the design is concerned. And I, I don't know if there's a set number of, of colours that they have with the shirts that are available or if some clubs grant can kind of say, you know what, we want additional colour schemes to this. How, how does that kind of work? I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and Jamie will probably be, be able to back that up. But I think there's basically, unless you're Liverpool, Man United, you know, you're getting that you're getting Adidas template or you're getting Umbro template, and and you're right, Mark. You probably get the choice of three goalie kits because we're never going to get green, are we? So we probably get you know <laughs> Craig's rocking a, a nice pink one, then now yellow, orange. Jamie, that that's probably the choices you get now, isn't it? You yeah, get three yeah, and that's it. Yeah, hundred percent. I like obviously knowing. I've been at the Athena now. We speak to the kit man, and he shows you the catalogue and says, "Oh, this is what you're wearing next year." And it's like, as you say, it's a template and there's like four or five colours to choose for. Half of them, are, two or three of them are ruled out because they maybe clash with the outfield kit. So I, like myself, I'm, I've been yellow and a, a light blue the last two seasons. It's going to be the same next year, except for the shirts, obviously going to be a slightly different design. And I, I think that's the case with pretty much all the companies now because um, the supply, obviously, so many kits to so many teams now. And 
I think barring you being at you know a, a, an elite level club where I think they maybe get a little bit of a more of a say but other than that I think it is a case of even for the outfield kits I think it's a case of there's a template and they'll, they'll try and match it up obviously and you pick from that type thing Yeah as we record this podcast today West Ham have just come out with their new kit and I feel sorry for their fans and any fans who get that template as well because the shoulders are a complete shambles. Jamie, can I just ask you, is there any colour that you would avoid just out of personal choice? No, not at all. I'm, I'm kind of open to wearing anything. I, I, I quite like... Um, do you know what? I, going back, Grant says he's obviously talking about the kind of traditional, more like yellow, black shorts or whatever. The, obviously, kits tend to be all in one colour pretty much these days. Um, I do miss, I, I, I do like a bright, I don't mind a brightly coloured one, but I also miss kind of the all black numbers, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I've always, like again, I suppose, probably maybe not exactly grown up, but the history of goalkeeping, like the Levy Ashen type thing, it's, you know, it's the, the, the full black kit and, you know, the, the, the few times in my career where there, there has been a few black kits, you know, it's something I've, I've always enjoyed um, and kind of wish I had a wee bit like more of I do enjoy a full black kit but at the same time I, I don't mind the the bright colours you know just to, to mix it up as well I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really that fussy that way you know I know there's other guys that are very particular in what they wear and things like that but myself I'm, I'm kind of I'll happily wear whatever Yeah I mean I've been in a, a referee's room at a particular ground where they were fighting about the colour that the goalkeeper was going to wear and the referee was basically saying you're not allowed to wear your first choice colour because it's going to clash and I think the goalkeeper was getting quite stroppy about it um, because <laughs> I don't think he liked, he liked the other kits. Mark, one of the things I've noticed in recent times now, as you guys probably know, I've got a slight colourblind issue is sometimes I don't think there's a great deal of difference between some of the outfield kits mm -hmm. and the goalkeeper's kits. I don't know if you've come across that this season. Yeah, and there's there's been cases where the first thing you notice is Team X against Team Y, and and how the, the the sometimes it can be a wee bit too close for comfort. And I'm sure I remember watching a couple of Scottish games this season and thinking, how's the referee even allowed that? Um, and and the referee, sorry, the the goalkeeping shirt as well. When um when a goalkeeper's coming into a kind of crowded penalty area as well. If he's wearing the same like short sleeves or long sleeves and it's a cold day and everyone's got long sleeves on, you, you'd be quite a good one to answer this as a, a kind of referee as well. Can it be difficult at times if you can't see the goalkeeper's hands and, and the gloves? Can it be difficult to ascertain who exactly, if the, the ball comes off the side of someone's arm and you can't see the gloves, could that be an issue if the goalkeeping jersey is pretty similar to the colour of the, the rest of the jersey? Yeah, I mean, I think it's highly problematic from a referee's point of view. And I think what sometimes, and I don't know what you think about this, Jamie, I think what sometimes is the players might not realise is, is how actually looks on television or looks for the fans. And when you're sort of on the sort of longer shot, certainly on television, it can look, mm -hmm. it can look pretty confusing. I mean, it, I guess it, it looks different when you're on the pitch, is, is the point I'm trying to make. So you probably don't get the same feeling that we do watch, watching on. Yeah, I suppose when you're on the pitch, you, you probably don't notice it as much. But there is there is cases, as you say, sometimes um, I don't think it's as... 
I don't think it's as much as a problem these days as what it used to be. Like, it used to be really like you had to be almost like polar oppos- opposites, mm-hmm. as in both both teams and goalkeepers couldn't wear the, even the same as the referees were. There was a few times last year, you know, I'm in my yellow kit or the blue one, which actually are both kind of the referees' colours as well. Um, and going out, and the ref's not really having a problem with it. Um, I think they look a lot of time, do they not look for like the shorts and the socks more than the kits? I think uh, I kind of brought that up, and I think the linesman was saying, well, as long as you're, you're, I can kind of tell more by the shorts. So if you were, barring the odd chance that the goalkeeper's like right next to the referee, which in all honesty is very rarely because the ref's not really coming in the box, you know, they kind of keep their distance. But um, I think for a goalkeeper and referee's point of view, it's, it's not so bad. But yeah, it's, as you say, on the part, you probably don't notice as much. Um, but I can, uh, you know, for watching some games on TV, you like to say colour blindness. <laughs> I've actually got a slight colour blindness as well. Um, and I do find... You know, there is times when I'm watching TV and there's a crowd of players with similar colours, you know, I find it hard to pick out. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they reckon one in 12 males have got a colour blindness issue of some sort. And I know the Colour Blindness Association are working really, really hard to try and stop things like red playing green, which is difficult yeah. because I can tell, you know, hearts against Hibs, I, I can tell. But I know certainly yeah. in rugby, you know, Italy, uh, sorry, Ireland against Wales gets criticism now every year, um, you know, fr- from that perspective. I mean, Grant, in terms of, you know, we are seeing, and you'll have seen this, and you probably charted in your book, I mean, there was, there was almost an explosion of colours for goalkeepers in particular, and it's almost like I'm trying to think of any colour I've not seen as a goalkeeping jersey. Well, definitely uh, for a for a home goalkeeper at Tycastle, we've not seen green, have we? <laughs> well, we could. So, I mean, the, the green away kit might have come under Romanoff, of course. Um, no, I think I think you're probably right. I mean, you know, I, I one of my personal favourites uh, was the you know the 2014. Uh, Fifteen kit with it that Neil Alexander wore, which was the which was a white kit, which which is yeah. for me, it, it would be a Jimmy would be a, a kit man's nightmare, right enough. Uh, washing that, I can't imagine how you'd even get the dirt out of that for a start. But I, I thought that was a classic white. I, th- I think you're right. I think I think all black is, is is really wonderful, and and then I think all white would probably be great as well. Um, but yeah, Paul, I don't think I can't think of any color that hasn't been used. And and again, sort of picking up on what Jamie was saying, definitely for a while there was a you know the luminous sort of orange, luminous pink, luminous sort of lime green, luminous sort of yellow, and and I think they looked really good. I, I thought they were quite striking. I, I don't mind that. I mean, as long as it stands out a bit. I, th- I, th- I mean, I think um, particularly Hearts have done all right in the goalkeeper kits uh, for the last you know twenty odd years. I think I think they've been okay. I think they've you know there's been a nice wide range of kits definitely for for goalkeepers. And Jamie would, of course. Jamie, when you started, was it? Um, were you around when when Andy Naomi was? You know, because he has some really nice kits as well. Well, go back to the kind of black kit. That's um, yeah. When I when I first joined Hearts, not full time, um, but like as you know, I, I don't know what you'd call it, as a youth anyway, under fourteens. It was the the area kits or however you say it you know and it was the the ones I can remember it was the black with the was it the blue flash or the purple kind of flashing yep um, and it would wear and then there would be the orange with the black kind of flashing on it as well and it and Auntie obviously Auntie always had a wee bit of a, a unique tray where he used to what I used to, <laughs> used to always ask for them as well was 
to get the white socks, he'd have the black top, the black shorts, but he would always like to wear white socks, I think, a lot of times during that period. And, you know, being, you obviously wanted to be like who who the the first team goalkeeper was at that point, it was Anthony, and, you know, it was the same, I'd get the same gloves as him and, you know, I'd want the kit and then I'd I'd get the white socks because at that stage it was literally, you had the, the black kit, it was actually a full black kit, but as I say, think Ante a lot of the time would, would change that and wear white socks. I don't know if that was his decision or if, or if it was a again a, mm. a decision made by um the referees or whatever duty kits. But you know, I'd I'd always try and match that up um at youth level. So that was when I first joined Hearts and then I think when I went in full time, I think it was the my first year it was the Reebok kits. Um yep. and, it, and again it was actually a black I'm sure it was a black and silver. Uh, kit goalkeeper's yep. kit was one of them yeah. they, had a, they had a few colours didn't they Reebok I think they yeah. a, bright, a bright orange one as well yeah there was, there was a few yeah. different kinds yeah yeah quite smart and they were lovely to be for the Reebok obviously that was my first kind of taste being in full time things like that but it was <laughs> the whole thing is then it's not like now where you get to pick your size a wee bit more like you know the kit <laughs> man can cut me with back then it was like double XL and um <laughs> <laughs> Which would probably fit me probably fit me now right enough, but when you're sixteen and about nine stone soaking wet, um it absolutely drowned you. By the way, Jimmy, the double XL in Area is the equivalent to like a small child. If you remember that. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was because it was like that was a that was a different material, like not like the modern. I think the Reebok was probably the first material which was like, you know, the modern kits, it was quite, you know, very light. Um where their ear kits were almost, they're almost like, they're almost like a really, really jumper, wasn't it? In the Honestly, <laughs> Paul, did you ever have one of those area kits? They were horrific. It was like putting on kind of wrapping paper, you know, the shiny <laughs> wrapping paper you get. And, and because they were Italians and like a medium in Italy is like nothing. I think it was like a 4XL was the equivalent of a normal large. And the I remember the club, saw, club shop, Claire Cowan and, and the guys in there, they were like, we don't normally order more than like a triple X. We've got to make an exception for area or whatever they were called. Maybe yeah. that was a problem with the Reebok kits then, because when you've got the double XL the next again, you they absolutely drowned me. So maybe that was the problem. It, it's funny you do say that, Mark, because it is because it's XXXL. So, so if somebody's trying to flog you an L, you know. <laughs> and that's part of what we took. We, we yeah we talk about is is how you tell tell shirts, and I think that's probably a good one for area um, that, that you would know that that was the that was the case. Definitely, I'm, I'm chuckling away. Sorry, <laughs> Jamie. In terms, Jamie. In terms of collecting jerseys, do you keep a lot of what you've worn? Um, to be honest, not not a great deal. You know, I know there's a lot of boys that you know keep a lot of their, their stuff or they, they they swap shirts, and you know they've got a lot of players. It's something I've never really done. To be honest, I I, I keep a lot of my own ones. I've got a lot of my own shirts. Probably, I probably at least have a shirt from each season, so I've always kept them. Um, but in terms of even like other people swapping it, stuff, I've never really done. I think the kind of main ones I've got are the Cudicini one for Tottenham, um, Pepe Reina from Liverpool, and I'm sure I've got a Craig, one of Craig's ones. I'm not sure which club it was from, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I, as you mentioned that, we should actually cycle back to to the night at Anfield. I mean, play Liverpool home and you know we, we connect you more with, with Tottenham, but I mean that Liverpool night was something special as well. 
Ah, it was unbelievable. He, he obviously, the talk the Tottenham one was was great, as I say personally, and just keep my clean sheet at, at White Hart Lane. Um, but I suppose it was probably the the way the two games were. You know, obviously White Hart Lane were out the tie. It was more even Tottenham. You know, they still had obviously RRA stars playing, but it was it was realistic. It was kind of their second string as well. Um, where you go at the Liverpool game. And you know it was you were right in the tie. You know we we nearly got beat one 0 at Tynecastle in the first leg, um, and it was a you know an unfortunate own goal. And then going down to Anfield and and obviously taking the lead with ten minutes to go was was unreal. And just you know that you know, all loved me. You know I think it's one of the places as well. But you know if you ask a lot of football players where they would like to play a game of football, you know I think Anfield would. Would be in a lot of players, you know, top five, and so get the chance to play Anfield was was something special as it, as it was, and you know, going, you know, I got a bit of advice for Craig, who'd obviously played there um, with Sunderland previous to that, and you know, he says when you run out in front of the cop end, he's like, give them a clap. It's like it's it's like a traditional thing I think you do as a goalkeeper, you you, you clap them, and he's like, and they'll clap you back, and I'm. So obviously we're going out saying half. I'm paying up to the copy, and I'm like, right, do I clap him or do I know? Is he at the wind up here, and I'm going to clap him, and, and am I going to get absolute dogs abuse for you know the the full cop? But now nah, to be fair, you know, I run up, started clapping them, and you know the the full stand, you know, rise to their feet and clapped you back, and then you know that was it was unbelievable, and um, as I say, it's something that will, will live with me the rest the rest of my days, and you know, we we'll, it was a great night. Um, obviously, uh, even the the team Liverpool put out that that evening compared to the first leg. You know, we gave them a wee bit of a fright at Tynecastle, and you know, earned their respect. And you know, the next game you, you've got Gerard and and Suarez playing and whatnot. And, um, you know, we're unfortunate not to to kind of take the game in the extra time and see what happened, but to get a one-one draw at Anfield, you know, was was a was a great experience. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be at Anfield that night. It was a magnificent evening and, uh, you know, we'd got a chance to be shown around part of the ground and saw the Liverpool trophy room and things like that. It's it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible theatre uh, yeah. for football players. Uh, and it, it is just, just tremendous. And, and Mark, I guess, you know, you think about, you know, stadiums you visit and you, and you link certain moments. I mean, we, we're like that a little bit like broadcasters as well. You remember the sort of the, the big games and sometimes you forget what it's actually like for the players. You're, you're that excited to be there yourself. Yeah, and, and you and I did many games when you were doing Radio Scotland and I was doing fourth. And I think one of the benefits as well, and, and it's going to be different this coming season because it's going to be better teams that Hearts are playing, but we got to see countries that we would never go to before. And, and you and I had lunch in a few cities that we actually love we, we, we loved being in. I remember being in Mostar, um, Sarajevo, lots of, of kind of real places that you wouldn't just you wouldn't go on holiday. Um, the Liverpool one's an interesting one because while you were commentating Paul and while Jamie was was playing Grant, were you at Anfield as a fan that night? I, I, I was at Anfield and it was just okay. Right. It was just tremendous. So so the so the three the three of you will clearly remember that fondly. As well, whichever tennis player was interrupted by me on the grandstand court at the US Open <laughs> um, because I was commentating on tennis, having been at um, White Hart Lane for 
for Jamie's woman. And every time, Jamie, that um, we speak about Harry Kane, I do, I still do a talk sport thing every week, and I'll always try and get up, yep, Harry Kane didn't miss a penalty on his debut. The penalty <laughs> was saved. I always try and give you due Good deference. Man. <laughs> but that the, the Liverpool game was was during the US Open, so I couldn't get out of it, and uh, I kind of had it on a sly screen. Um, whoever's called Paul, were you doing radio or TV that night? I, I was doing radio. Derek Ray, it was a it was a BT Sport right. game. So Derek Ray was doing the telly, um, and I was down for Radio Scotland. I had John Robertson alongside me, so that, that was a great night. So the weird thing is, I did the first leg for ESPN TV. It was on over here because we had the rights back then, and I did it with Stevie Nickel. And what was it, 1-0 to, to Liverpool at um, at Tynecastle? And yep. yeah. even e- even on the podcast, we still try and blame uh, on, on Scarves Around the Funnel. We still try and blame McGowan for giving the ball away, Jamie. And if it wasn't for him, <laughs> then you, you would have had an extra half hour's work. <laughs> I totally, I'd blame Ryan for everything as well. So. <laughs> uh, some nights, though, some nights. I, I just remember the Liverpool night so well because my, my poor... One of my best mates, Keith, had had a broken ankle and he, he hobbled into the game and we scored. I just remember him being sort of four rows in front of me with his leg up in the air and I was thinking, oh, he's got another broken ankle. I just thought, uh, <laughs> uh, it was just uh, one of those nights where it was just the celebration I'll just never forget. It was just incredibly brilliant. <laughs> oh, do you play three times in Europe, Jamie? Twice away from home and once at home? Yeah. Why, my, my, the, the three times I the, Two of the three times uh, playing in Europe were they're both British games, to be honest. Um, just like you said, going to Mostar and things, I, I travelled as part of the squad, to be fair to their places, so I was very fortunate. I've, I've actually travelled with the squad in a lot of the European adventures, um, you know, Prague and, and whatnot, and as a third choice. But the, the two games that I've played away have actually both been um, British-based, but even still, you know, two, two great um, stadiums to play it, and obviously White Hart Lanes, obviously no more now. Um, but you know it was still, you know, it was still a fantastic uh, place to play. You know, it was it was probably uh, it was probably one of your old fashioned. You know, it still held held what thirty forty thousand, and I get why. Obviously, they built a new stadium, but it was still it was Lintopie. It was a bit probably like a bigger version of Tynecastle, I thought, because the the fans were, you know, within touching distance at either end of the goal. Um, and you know it made it for a great atmosphere. And Dave McKay got presented at halftime as well in uh, White Hart yeah. Lane, which I remember fondly. It's funny because you you guys play the game and whatever you, you don't get to see what what goes on really because you're inside. But I suppose if you're not in this instance because you started, but if you're a backup goalkeeper, is is there any real need for a backup goalkeeper to be in at halftime listening to something that's not really designed? for, I suppose, even goalkeepers, never mind the first-choice goalkeeper. So when you weren't, like, for trips like Mostar, when you were on the bench in, in games, did you spend most of the halftime intervals actually on the pitch um, warming up, or how did that work? Yeah, yeah. well, going back to the Mostar one, you know, I, I was I was more a third-choice with a lot right. of these trips, so I was, I was in the stands, um, and to be fair, like, I, I was just sitting baking in the heat. Is that so? I can remember. Wait, what was the team called? Was it Zelezhnikov or something? Zelezhnikov, yeah. yeah. Yeah, was that? Yeah. Um, and I just remember. So, you, as you say, you get to see it all. It's the same going to um, Zagreb. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in the stands and, you know, see, getting to take that all in. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate, as you say, for that point of view. You know, I was probably more, more like the fans' point of view. Um, 
on the occasions is and get to to sit in the stands and obviously take it all in. Um, and you know, I've, I've I've been to a lot of, a lot of different places, and you know, it's be, it's been great. As I say, like you know, even Prague was it Sparta Prague um, we played as yeah. well. Yeah, Sparta Prague. So I've got to ask you then, Jamie, you would have been in Athens. Yeah. For the AK Athens game, which infamously amongst commentators is known as "Who the hell is Jamie Mole?" Game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had no idea who he was. I mean, th- th- were you as surprised as us that that Jamie got named? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, Jamie was at that point. Your God, wage was he when he made was probably seventeen, eighteen. You know, he, yeah. he'd done all right. Um, he played at Livy, Jamie. He, he played. He started yeah. at Livy, and I think it was a League Cup tie. Yeah. Um, that, that he played, and no one. I mean, Paul, when you did your research, no, no, <laughs> no one of us even had Jamie Mole kind of. We had like the age, date of birth, or whatever, but there was no need to have it. In and it's like shit. What? No, no idea. I mean, I, I do pride myself on my research, and you know, you you take time to make sure you've got. But I mean, he wasn't anywhere near the radar, let alone close. No. Really, you know, for, yeah, for yeah, a European that to start, you I know, that, that was incredible. I think he'd only been. I don't even know. Was he there the previous season? Amanda, he must have been playing under 19s above the previous season, yeah. but you know, that was his first season and he'd, and he'd done well. It, like, it wasn't as if he was just a young boy and you go, oh, there's a bit of talent there. You know, he was a big, he was a big, strong, quick boy for his age, um, two footed. And then, <laughs> yeah, as you say, you get to the you know, Champions League qualifiers and all of a sudden he's starting and you're thinking, hold on a minute here, <laughs> how does that work? But <laughs> But then again, it, that was the Romanov era and that was just the way things were. You know, I think probably Mad Vlad, I wouldn't be surprised that was a Mad Vlad decision and, you know, thinking hopefully go and get a go or two and probably try and punt him for a million the next again week if we could. Paul, quick story. Um, I'm, I'm just on London Hearts right now as if to, to try and remember. So his competitive debut was against Livy. But I was actually commentating on his first game. And the reason I'm bringing this up, it was at Berwick. And Jamie played as a 19-year-old, Jamie McDonald, our guest, um, as did Jamie Oof. Mole, who came on as a sub. Do you remember the Sunday afternoon? It was roasting down at Berwick. I think it was nil-nil, um, the game. And, do you not remember this? So has gone back. No, I know. I know. <laughs> well, you were only 19, right? So we played East Fife on Wednesday or Thursday night. And... The manager wasn't convinced by this French kid by the name of Julien Brellier. So he played him That's in right. back-to-back games. Hearts I played the Saturday. I remember that, actually. Aye. So you played, team was like Jamie McDonald, Craig Sivis, Marco Pelosi, Gary Tierney, John was Neal, that, was that Was that a testimonial game for somebody down at Berwick, by any chance? Uh, I've got no, no, it wasn't. It was just no. a pre-season friendly. The reason, right. the reason I'm bringing it up, because I had to bring it up when when we're, I was doing the, the kind of Believe book, that was the one when George Burley, and I've got to be careful how I say this, uh, was more interested in the golf because it was the final round of the Open. And George realised that just behind our commentary booth in the main stand, and I say our commentary booth, Paul, you'll know exactly what <laughs> Shieldfield Park is like. It's a box, right? But it's designed for not, not even one person. So you've got three people in there. So behind that and in the main stand, there was a bar. And when George found out the bar was open during the game and there was no one there and the golf was on, he, we, we were told after the game, whether it was Paul Kiddy or whoever, right, I know you've just done the commentary, right, but I'm going to bring the gaffer out. For fuck's sake, don't ask him about anything in the second half. We're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> he was in the bar watching the golf. 
So I, I don't know. I'm sure they came down afterwards. I assume Jamie and get a team talk or, or like had a go or, or, or whatever, a nil nil draw. Maybe you didn't even see him after the game, but he did not see a single kick of the second half because he found out at halftime when he went on a wonder that the bar was open upstairs and they were showing the final round of the open in 2005. Oh, fucking tell you, you're talking about the, the commentary booth being small. The change rooms weren't much better, by the way. <laughs> and that was trying to obviously get 17, 18 boys in there, so... Um, and Jamie came on at halftime, by the way. Jamie Moore was a 17-year-old, came on at halftime. 17. And there you go. 17 years, one month, and 16 days. He replaced wow. Dennis Wynas. So there's no chance that Paul, me, or anybody else... Because we never really got the squad, Paul, did we? It's not like you're getting some... Um, like over here, when, when I'm doing Spanish or Italian or whatever, a lot of the time the team will release the squad list on Twitter the night before. We didn't get that back then, so there was no chance that uh, we were ever going to know about Jimmy Mole um, starting that game. I, and the other interesting point on that is the fact that you couldn't just pop on your phone and check out who he was. You <laughs> use your sources, you know, and... Uh, you know, go live on the BBC. I'm trying to figure out who this boy was. So you're talking to everybody, and that and that that's a good thing. And I think it was, it, Mark. You know, so it's probably a little bit easier. You know, back in those days to actually communicate with people. You know, European mm-hmm. games yeah. are a little bit different now. Yeah, it, it was, and you could have a better relationship with the manager as well. Um, that was the early period of, of George's kind of um, tenure at heart. So everyone was still trying to get to know him. But there wasn't like eight, nine, ten different TV companies or radio wanting a word um, with him. But it, it was a bit easier. Uh, and by the way, while we're on the Jamie Mole chat, Jamie coming on for Dennis at halftime ended Dennis Wynas's Hearts career. Dennis Wynas never kicked another ball for Hearts after Jamie Mole came on for him at halftime down at Shieldfield that day. Poor Dennis. Yeah. Poor, but yeah, indeed. Indeed, poor Dennis. I mean, Jamie, so when, when you look back at your, your time at Tyne Council, we've talked about the shirts and the shirts you get. You know, you're, you're travelling in, in big games. We've got to talk about the cup final. It would be remiss of us if we didn't. You played in three Scottish Cup finals, you know, for three different teams, which is quite a remarkable feat for a goalkeeper. Yeah, I've been very fortunate um, to obviously have played in them and the League Cup final with Hearts as well. Um, and, and now a Challenge Cup final, you know, somebody brought that up to me. I've, I've, mm, I've managed yeah. to have a clean sweep of domestic mm. finals now playing. Um, unfortunately, no one them all, but. Um, yeah, you know, I've been very fortunate. You know, there's probably a lot better players and goalkeepers out there that have probably never even made a final in their career. So, you know, I'm, it's something I don't take for granted. And, you know, as I say, I'm very fortunate to have, to have played in um, as many finals as I have. A few more winners' medals would have been nice, but, you know, such is life. Yeah, did, did you feel that, you know, that having played in the cup final for Queen of the South, did that benefit you when you then lined up for Hearts? Um, yes and no. I think, you know, obviously having experienced the cup final with Queen of the South, um, but it was com- obviously completely different circumstances because as Queen of the South, you know, we're going against a Rangers team that had got to the UEFA cup final that year. Um, you know, there was there was no pressure on us. You know, we had went, you know, above and beyond where anybody probably could have seen for Queen of the South. I think it was, you know, the first time in the club's history they'd ever been at the Scottish Cup final. So, you know, straight away, we had already achieved a lot um, for just doing that. So probably the the pressure wasn't the same. We had going into the 2012, you know, it was 
it was a different type of pressure because we were the favourites. Um, you know, I spoke about it in the night the, a few times. It's you know we had to win that game. Realistically, you know we were. I've said this numerous times. It's we were going to be either the one of the best Hearts teams in history, or you were going to probably be the worst Hearts team in history. So, you know, for that point of view. It, it, it changed the dynamics a little bit because there was a lot it's a, it's a lot harder being the team having to win and, and deal with that pressure than it was going into the game with forward or pretty much no chance Yeah, well we all know what happened in the end and it's been uh, pretty much celebrated ever since that there's no doubt just before we, we wrap up this edition of Shirts Around the Funnel Grant just a little little bit about your night in your book launch at Tynecastle which when I agreed to, to, to speak to you about it was supposed to be 30 or 40 people in a wee room somewhere and uh, all of a sudden there was over 300 people loads of hearts legends and it was a terrific night it was yeah it was surreal actually and it was, I was just so glad that um Hearts agreed to do it, um, and it's you know it's going to raise a lot of money for for both MND and um, the Hearts Heritage. So 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 it's great, and it was just great to have guys like Jamie Long and Gary McKay. It was, it was just a real buzz, and um, yeah, I couldn't have asked for any more. There, there was one thing I wanted to ask Jamie about the 2012 Cup final, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, no Jamie, you obviously wore the, the you know the, the silvery white kit. Did you expect you were going to wear the home kit? Because the, the one thing I noticed was with your, with your gloves, the, you know, the B-Hulk gloves, I think, were they made to match the, the home shirt? So that's no, sort of orangey. They were, a lot of the time, my glove sponsor, to be fair, matched my gloves up to shirts because I think gloves yeah. I'd worn the other season were I actually wore a black glove with a yellow um, to match the yellow and black shirt a lot. Yeah. Previously in that season, um, for the final, to be fair, that was kind of going to be the glove for the, the following season because we knew. Ah, right, okay. So we knew we'd also I'd give my heads up because it was changing Adidas, and I'd already seen the new Adidas kits, um, which was an orange and black, and the blue and black. So he actually matched my gloves up um, to the kits, and he he decided like he was going to release them for the cup final. Um, so that was the first time he'd actually, you know, launched that kind of glove. Um, but it was actually more looking at the fo- uh, the following season. Good to know. Good to know. Just so, a, an added bit of geekery there, Jamie. But yeah, no, that's yeah. always good to know. So thank you very much. And, <laughs> no, no problem. Just talk, talking about kits actually, because that the next game season they had Adidas kits. That was, you know, that was probably one of my favourite um, set of goalie strips. I thought they were both cracking uh, goalie kits. So, you know, the orange and the blue, but the with the Adidas, you know, I thought that was yeah. lovely. Was, talking about goalie kits, yeah, they had black. It was black, orange shorts with the, the yeah. sort of black Adidas black stripes flashing, down them. Yeah, yeah, they were really nice, weren't they? Yeah, it was pretty classy as well. Yeah. Adidas, I always thought Adidas did sort of classy shorts anyway, um, but they, yeah, they were very impressive indeed. So sorry, sorry about that, Paul. I just had to jump in and ask a question there. But if I go full circle, the, the the book launch was. Amazing and everything I, I would want it to be, and, and hearts have been great, and, and all the all the ex players that came along were were brilliant. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, I, I can't speak highly enough of everyone that attended, and especially you as well. So great stuff, yeah, brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed the night, and and Jamie, is it something? I mean, you've played for you know a few clubs, and you get a chance to go back, and there's always it's always nice when you can connect with the fans in a, in a social setting, but in 
in a nice social setting, if you know what I mean. Uh, it was great. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I, I did three or four events over the kind of lead up to the, the cup final. And, you know, that the book event was, no disrespect to our ones, was by far, you know, my favourite night. I thought it was a, a fantastic night. Um, as you say, it's nice to, to engage with fans with, without the pressure of, you know, being a player at the time where, you know, the, again, the dynamics are slightly different. So it's nice going back and as an ex-player, you know, as a cup winner and things like that. And it, it was lovely to be be back and be involved in. And, you know, Grant, I just go back to your book. You know, it was a fantastic book. And, you know, the people I've shown it to as well, you know, I think it's something probably a lot of fans at other clubs would probably appreciate as well. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great concept and a great idea. And, you know, I, I say, having had a good look through it now as well, it, it, it brings back, you see certain shirts, obviously for different people mean different things, but it's it's nice to see all the different shirts. And, you know, as I say, it brings back memories for, for whatever, you know, the different ones you see. Um, I think it was the, the, the home kit with the... I think it was the the big white bit down the middle. It wasn't actually my favourite home hearts kit, uh-huh. but um, the, navy, the, the the maroon kind of sleeves. But it was predominantly white down the middle. But that I always remember reminds me, uh, you know, the one of the New Year's derbies. Was a big Kevin Kyle scored the winner, and it was like I hadn't seen that in so long that shirt. But you know that was what the memory brought. And you know people looking at that book, that and that's what we're doing. As I say, I think it's a a great idea, and you know probably something all all clubs would probably appreciate if if they did something similar. Yeah, it's a terrific book, and Mark, I mean, that's the key, isn't it? You get to, it's that little trip down memory lane that, you know, pictures and certain players can just bring you when you just see it in the page, and, you know, Grant's case, the photography in the book's terrific. Isn't it like a musical song, as opposed to what other kind of song? I don't know. (laughs) Isn't it it like a song that you hear and you just automatically think, uh, whether it's one of the 1998 Cup final songs, Carnival de Paris, at Celtic Park, you just hear a song and it takes you back and, and seeing a kit. And that, I mean, like I've been over here 12 years now and, and before that, my, most of my memories are kind of firsthand when I was actually at the game. So that's, my, my memories are more Jamie when when he was at Hearts uh, rather than his time now. So I, I remember all these kits, going back to Henry's kits and then Nicky Walker and all these guys. And the, I don't think I've ever owned a goalkeeping jersey. Despite the fact that my uncle, my uncle was a, a goalkeeper for Dundee, Ali Donaldson, back in the day, and played against Leeds in the semi-final of uh, of the Fairs Cup in in '68. Um, the only jersey I got from him was weirdly, and Grant might, might be interested in this. He went on a coaching course after his testimonial in 1980 at Largs, and instead of bibs, they didn't really have bibs back in the time, so the SFA gave out old shirts to the players just to kick about in. And he got a Scotland away all white that was worn in a World Cup qualifier in the mid 60s in Italy. So I've got that downstairs, but I don't have a. I've got a Craig Gordon gave me a goalkeeping jersey when he came on at halftime against Austria or something. But um, that is the that's the weirdest thing that I have in my collection. The the Scotland away 1964, I think, against Italy that was given out to players on a coaching course at Largs in 1980. It's the best I can do. That, that, is, that is brilliant, Mark. That is just, yeah, that's that. I love those stories. That's where all those old jerseys have went, eh? Well, yeah, that's it. the SFA being green, so to speak. <laughs> not yeah. not for all the right reasons. I'm, I'm fairly, <laughs> exactly. fairly certain of that. Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure 
uh, chatting to everybody tonight. My thanks to my co-host, to Grant Young, to Mark Donaldson joining us from the USA, and of course to former Hearts goalkeeper Jamie McDonald. Just Jamie, final question to you: a couple of weeks of rest, and then you'll get back to it. Yeah, pretty much um, back in training next week. Uh, I've, I've also had a little bit uh, more time off. Our season finished end of April, so I've had a good four or five weeks off now. Um, and, and just looking forward to getting back into the swing of things now. So um, get away for the four kids and the wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hopefully she's not listening to this. Um, but yeah, and I just looking forward to getting back. You know, you miss it after a few weeks. So yeah, looking back, yeah, looking forward to getting back in. Yeah, Jamie, always a pleasure to speak to you. You have been listening to Shirts Around the Funnel, the little brother of the scarves around the funnel, the Hearts podcast. To listen to this is the podcast about Hearts football shirts. Grant and I will be back some point, probably in August. Thanks for listening. And remember, blood doesn't show in a maroon jersey. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Call